Happy Friday. Thanks for spending the week with us here. Recorded during the Plague Year 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute. Each week we get together to talk about the all-too-timely 1971 Robert Wise-directed techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com, the Apollo 13 Minute, the Rocketeer Minute, and the Airport Minute. And I'm Brian Fees. I'm a writer, sometimes science writer and cartoonist, uh, author of graphic novels such as A Fire Story and Mom's Cancer. And we're flying over the town of uh, Piedmont, New Mexico slash uh, Shafter, Texas, which is uh, pretty much about 100 miles beyond the middle of nowhere. Um, and Brian, you've been looking them up a little bit. about. Well, of course, I have, for, for, because when I saw the film my first question was is was that a real town or did they build themselves a ghost town somewhere and and it is a real town uh called shafter texas at the time of filming had a population of about 20. it is uh, just off u.s highway 67 between the towns of marta and presidio and um it, it's just perfect i don't you know i i don't know how many old towns they had to look at to find this one but it's just absolutely perfect for this film it's a, it was an old silver mining town established in the late 1800s you know went through the usual boom and bust cycles and one reference i found said uh during world war ii because they had an army base nearby uh the population was like 1500 at one point but wow. um crashed right after the war um and i guess that it's still there and i guess it still looks very much like it did during the andromeda strain but has even fewer people in it than it had uh in 1971 so Shafter, Texas. If you're uh, touring the country and and want to see a, a cool movie set, that's that's one of them. Yeah, it's uh, all those towns down there in the Big Bend are just amazing. Uh, one of the things that uh, I do like having uh, many many choices in restaurants. They don't seem to have, have many down <laughs> that down that way. But one of the, one of the great parts of living in that part of the country is their night skies are fantastic. The, oh uh, yes, oh God, I've seen. Skies in in you know Texas, New Mexico, unlike any I've ever seen anywhere else, just gorgeous. Yeah, I I can remember being in some small uh, off the off the road uh, little towns that you know that, that Interstate 20 kind of killed, uh, but you get about 20 miles off there by the McDonald Observatory and such. Uh, the I've had a problem being in those towns where I look up in the sky and I can't recognize constellations because there's just too many stars. Me too. And and you and I, we're both, um, I, I would classify us both as skilled amateur astronomers. And I have gotten lost in the night sky before in, in one of those nights where there's just a million stars out and you can't find Orion, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's because it's just, it's just too bright. There's too much. It's it's ama- It's amazing. It's just it, it's really. I know it's it's an ever shrinking thing. But although the uh, dark skies project project uh, here in uh, in Texas is going very strong, we're sw- swapping out a lot of uh, sodium vapor lights and and replacing them with uh, directional LEDs. That's helped a lot in my own town here in Arlington, Texas. Uh, our skies have gotten a lot brighter. Uh, just from swapping out the uh, the streetlights and making it a little bit easier to cut down on the haze. Yeah. Well, and also I understand in our, our plague years here that uh, some people in cities are discovering things like the Milky Way for the first time. Yeah. Just because things are just a little quieter, there's less traffic, there's less business, and uh, they can see the skies. Yeah. Now, you're, you're, uh, you're in the uh, San Francisco area. Is how this time of year which we're recording in the in the early spring is it mostly cloudy there or do you 
do you get a good good view at night? Yeah, I'm in the north San Francisco Bay. Uh, we get a lot of fog. Uh, it, it, the fog moves in probably four nights out of five. Um, and the seeing is generally not that good. Although we have hills around us that if you get on top of a hill, you can pop above it and sometimes um, get some good stuff. But no, it's, it's uh, <laughs> despite the presence of Lick Observatory down in uh, San Jose, uh, which is just a wonderful facility. I love Lick. But uh, aside from that, there's there's not really any good astronomy, visual astronomy to be done in the Bay Area. Yeah. I've, the only California ones I've been to uh, would be, I've been outside of Mount Wilson. I've been inside of Mount Palomar. And, uh, of course, the Griffith Park Observatory, which is uh, has, has terrible viewing, but they have a very pretty uh, 18, I think it's like 1899 was their, uh, their telescope that they moved in there in the 1930s. You know, it's useless as an observatory, but it's, uh, it's terrific as a place to visit and think about the heavens. Yes, yes, a great... Uh, and James Dean. Yes, well, and <laughs> and Cliff Secord. So uh, just, a, yeah, just a, a fun place for both movie and uh, astronomy buffs. Um, but we are, anyway, as we're flying over there, pilot Gunnar Hansen, not the, the not crocked uh, Gunnar Hansen, hopefully. Wilson, I believe, right? Uh, well, Gunnar Wilson. I'm saying Gunnar Hansen. Gunnar Hansen, good grief. That's, that's a different <laughs> movie. Excuse me. No, uh yeah, Gunnar Wilson. Pardon me. Uh, wow. Uh, but yeah, he's he's flying uh, photo reconnaissance in there, and uh, he's got his uh, RF4C. That's the I finally got the got the letters right. But it, yeah, it's a reconnaissance reconnaissance Phantom Jet, and uh, we see him uh, press the press the trigger that that kicks off the camera on the underside of the, of his ship. Well, I I derived a lot of meaning from this, and again, possibly overanalyzing it. But um, as I admitted in the last uh, episode, I'm I'm not a plane guy. I didn't know that this was a phantom outfitted for reconnaissance. And so when I, a layman, after seeing 5,700 war movies, sees a, uh, a pilot push the little red button on a stick, I think, and I think Wise wants us to think, that um, he's launching something. He's, he's yeah. shooting. He's launching a missile. He's going to do something violent. And because never in any movie before have we ever seen a pilot push that little red button to take photos. It's always to shoot. And I think, again, I don't know if this was deliberate, but the effect on me as the viewer is it reminded me that although this time the government is acting peacefully, it could very easily have the potential to destroy that whole town as well. And this is a theme the movie revisits, is this friction between you know, benevolent application of power and destructive application of power, especially when we get to the end of the movie and we start talking about nuclear devices. Yeah, yeah, and, and the idea that the nuclear devices would be set off without the consent of the, of the governed. This would be something that we've, we've let the government have that power of life and death on a, on a massive scale. Yeah. And that... that, that we give that to them. The government gets that right, but we, as we find out later in this movie, we've given that right to a machine or to an automated uh, an automated set of instruction, which we've shown two minutes ago. We looked at people looking at a at a rule book that didn't apply. Well, the uh, the machine that decides whether or not to blow up a nuclear device has a rule book that we that does that it doesn't know whether or not it should apply that rule book. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly and, uh, right. So it, I, you know, I I. I we keep coming back to this, but to me, a lot of this movie is about the tension between um, people and the tools they they invent, the tools they use, the technology, people and technology. There's this sort of built-in friction of neither quite knowing or understanding what the other's up to. 
Yeah, it, it also does have a, a bit of a Frankenstein quality, this, these Promethean powers that we're dealing with. Uh, you're opening up boxes that maybe shouldn't be opened. Um, as you know, literally they're doing, they, this well, they literally, they open a box yeah. that shouldn't be opened and, and, yeah. you know, and, and take a half a step back. Also the whole idea of setting up satellites, um, uh, to, as I recall, the, the purpose of the satellite was, was it to look for life? Is that what they said it was? Well, that, I mean, the, the question that is being, it was, it was to capture, uh, alien, you know, alien life to, to search, to seek out alien life yeah. and bring it back. And so we could study it. Maybe that's not a good idea. But yeah, that that might not be you know it's like you might be ringing the dinner dinner bell. This is gonna be to serve man kind of a thing. So it's uh, yeah, it, it it poses all kinds of questions. And when uh, later on, and I I don't want to spoil whoever's gonna be talking weeks from now, but uh, we see pictures of what what they were worrying about with uh, the growth of the of this alien life that they bring back. They use a bio war map. So the question, at least in the in the novel, which kind of comes out in the movie. The question in the novel was, was the original intent of going out to find alien life to find a superior right. uh, form of a biological weapon? Right. And, uh, you know, we, we hear that with, uh, as, as we're in the time that we're in now, we hear from conspiracy theorists who think that, you know, that ep- epidemics are man-made and, and that we, you know, this, this is all has some kind of a secret plan. So this is, you know, this was 50 years ago, and the discussion still goes on. It's like, is it really that good an idea to go in and start messing with these fundamental uh, parts of, of biology and chemistry? Yeah, well, I mean, you and I were both, you know, sciencey, rational kind of guys, and I think our, our first answer would be, yes, it's curious, we're, we're curious, we want to know these things, but um, I like your, your evocation of the Prometheus myth very much, because I think that's... That gets to the nub of it. This is, uh, you know, how does man use and abuse the gift of fire? Yeah, and and we get, um, you know, I, I keep tying this to to where we're at right now in uh, in our, our current situation, uh, that we have a tendency of thinking, as as you were saying all this week, you've been talking about how this is competence porn. We assume that there are smart guys, there are top men, you know, that kind of thing. There, there are. <laughs> People, there are people out there who know what they're talking about, and they they can handle these kind of things. And when when stuff jumps off the rails, and you say, "Well, what about that? You know, that magic plan that we had to do this or that?" I I can recall uh, forever hearing about um, pre nine eleven that um, you know that the White House was protected and the Pentagon was protected by all kinds of anti missiles and nothing right. could get in. And and we found out on on nine eleven that that's simply not the case. That, that people there are things that we can't control. And right. I think I think often when you hear of conspiracy theories and things like that, it's people want people believe in conspiracy theories because they want to have the feeling that somewhere human beings are in control of the universe. And they're very not very much we, so. You know, we, we don't know everything. We don't have a cure for everything. We don't have a plan set in place. There are no major man checks ready to pull out a key and start the you know start the wheels turning no there is there it. is no project wildfire yeah yeah it's, <laughs> to uh, the best of our knowledge <laughs> no well if if there is project wildfire can consists of a bunch of powerpoint uh, uh materials you know a, a deck of a deck of uh, pictures that somebody had proposed and said well we don't have the money for that right now so we're you know it's, <laughs> it's that that's where these things are and if if you worked in any government offices you don't 
you don't see the top-notch equipment sitting around. Mostly it's hand-me-downs from a, another closed uh, military base that you inherited, and you, you, you live at those kind of desks and things, and you, you make do with what you have. I think you're exactly right about the appeal of conspiracy theories is, is the comfort one gains from thinking somebody's in control, even if they don't necessarily have my best interests at heart, somebody's got a plan, and uh, nope. Yeah, no, a a cabal would be a nice thing to have. You know, if you had somebody in a hollowed out (laughs) volcano launching missiles and things, okay, well, at least we know where he's at. We can stop him. But this, you know, this this nebulous uh, thing that you don't know yet. You don't, I mean, there was, um, I forget the name of the patent, uh, the the guy that was working at the patent office in 1893 who said everything's been invented. Right. Why have it? Um, But I think we have that feeling that, everything is known so everything can be fixed and it is i mean it's a great way of it's an optimistic way of looking at uh how to solve problems it's like well we know we're you know we're smart guys we should know these things um but we don't have we don't have the knowledge at the moment so it takes time and uh this movie yeah the andromeda strain plays with that it it plays with the idea that um we have been caught off guard. We don't quite know how to handle this thing com- that came from outer space, but we've got people who are going to figure it out. So it's it's kind of a combination of those two messages, I think, of, um, geez, we're not ready for this, but um, through dint of our intellect and preparation, we can handle things. Yeah, and I think... By this... the seat of our pants. And I, I think you and I are in the same boat with the Andromeda Strain. When we saw this as kids... I wanted to be part of this. I wanted to be, I mean, not, I didn't want to work with microbiology, but I wanted to be able to use these tools. I wanted to know more about how to, uh, you know, how to use an electron microscope or how to work a a glove box and use a Waldo's to pick things up. That, that idea of this, that it is something that you can learn. You can, you can turn yourself into, uh, you know, Dr. Jeremy Stone or Dr. Ruth Levitt or any of those people. If you studied and you found out how the way things worked yeah uh the the world is the world became fun you'd say oh i I can solve this problem and that's that's what i love so much about this movie is it's about really smart people the heroes are smart people you know so in so many movies the scientist is a side character and very often they're the person you ignore to get the job done because you know this doesn't demand brainiacs this demands action well this this movie the heroes are the smartest people in the country in their fields i just love that about it yeah and they and they don't exactly get along they're not always in agreement i mean i do like watching them arguing about well what's the you know what about this and what about that and what you know why why are we you know and they they bring up a lot of questions and then they they set aside the questions that they had the bigger philosophical questions to solve the immediate the 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 tactical problem instead of the strategic problem Can, can i talk uh movie making for just a bit Sure, sure. Because I, I just have a note that I wanted to, to be sure to get in, and that is there's an interesting thing uh, with that happens that Robert Wise does here with Point of View uh, with respect to the uh, Phantom, you know, uh, reconnaissance, uh, doing reconnaissance over Piedmont. And that is, as you mentioned in the last episode, we see it in this um, fake nighttime blue cast that's almost black and white. The colors are almost completely washed out. And I think there's a couple reasons for that beyond just wanting to have the illusion of nighttime and for me it it um it gives Piedmont this sort of 
gray, dusty pallor of death, and it it yeah. um, it recalls for me the ex the uh, the uh, exclamation we had just like a minute and a half ago of the guy in the van who said, "There's a white thing coming right at us." Well, the whole the whole town is white. It looks like a haunted graveyard, and in fact, the uh, the last thing we see of Piedmont before our pilot pulls up is this pathetic bedraggled cemetery sitting beside the church that's you know that's the last thing the pilot sees as he pulls up is this cemetery uh in this town of that looks like death and is actually full of death and i think that's just um a wonderful bit of filmmaking on robert wise's part you know it's not an accident that the last thing we see is that cemetery yeah and you know we don't know the, the other thing is that we are for a moment we are uh, the pilot's he's our organizing sensibility so we are taking his point of view and like we get a we get a brief view of uh of what's going on in you know all all that we had seen previously with buzzards flying over the town but as we get closer and we see all the bodies just kind of you know laying around loose and as you said just outside these we go by the bodies that had been previously buried in the in the graveyard and then the bodies that have yet to be buried outside all uh, laying around that uh that 57 chevy in the parking lot um the, yeah, and that's the, har- the horror, the immediate horror that you get of this was a glimpse that he had. And it's like, oh, that's not good. Exactly. And that glimpse, I think, is important because before we're looking at Piedmont through uh, blurry binoculars from a van, you know, half mile away. That's our first look. This is our second real look at Piedmont. And it's a fast look because this plane is is going not as fast as it should be going, as yeah. you as you <laughs> described. But this plane's going fast. And so you catch glimpses of, geez, that doesn't look right. But it, why is this building the horror of this place one little bit at a time you get a quick glimpse and you get a longer glimpse and then in a couple minutes from now we're going to take a tour of Piedmont and it's just it's just night of the living dead it's horrific yeah oh for sure yeah and I and we also get that nice uh that sciencey bit that we don't know what we don't know what infrared would look like so in this case uh Robert Wise just uh, inverted the inverted and solarized the picture so that the the bodies stand out as white dots yeah. And, uh, you know, this idea that somebody's sciencing it out and saying, oh, let's let's count how many dead bodies there are in downtown Piedmont. Um, but it, it just really underlines and it's very stylized. So you're not sure what's going on with them. You know, are they are they bodies? Are they aliens? Are they you know, what what could they be all over the ground? Well, there's kind um, of a, a layering there, too, because the first um, pass we take of Piedmont, we see through the pilot's eyes and it's it's as we would see it in a pretend nighttime and then when they do the infrared footage it's the exact same pass but it's it's seen through the eyes of uh, computer is the wrong word but seen through the eyes of technology seen through the eyes of high tech we're getting more information now because we've applied our tools to the problem and again this 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 is that constant friction of using our tools for good and bad yeah and then the the initial it's not even questioned the initial uh, action is let's cover this up. This needs to be secret. This everything in that room is top secret, yeah. and uh, I'm gonna you know declare a state of emergency, and uh, everybody's restricted to the base, and and you know we better. The first inclination of the government is to cover it up. Um, well, well, that seems appropriate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd back them up on that. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's like it's. It's the right, like the right thing to do is to cover it up. So it, it's just, but what you know, and of course, like if this had happened nowadays, you'd have uh, news crews flying in with with drones, and and there'd be 
they'd be doing stand-ups from outside of town, except they they'd have <laughs> they'd know how far the circle was from all the dead reporters, you know, as as they moved away from the center of town. Um, but but it's just it, again, this is this is the government is competent. The government knows what it's doing. So uh, and these are the, these are the guys that are gonna gonna get us there. Yeah, and that's my take at fifty seconds when Major Manchuk springs into action is the sense that. All right, we we've seen our guys fumble and maybe drop the ball a little bit and be scared, but Major Manchuk's got this. A grown-up is in charge, and yeah. he knows exactly what to do, and he's going to go do it. Yeah, so, he didn't have to check with anybody. This is just his job. He's um, uh, one thing that I wonder about in this particular minute. We know he reaches into his pocket for that key. Does he have that key with him all the time? Oh, he must Does, absolutely. Because there, okay. there could be a fire any time. Yeah, but he's got that big. I mean, it's got that gigantic fob. So I don't know. If, you know, <laughs> does he leave it on his nightstand? Does he? Where? Where does he? You know, chain, <laughs> it's, it's a chain around his neck. Come on. Yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, uh, it, it's just one. It's just one of those things that I wonder. And how many other keys does he have? Is there like <laughs> he's a whole got a. Lot? He's got a big ring yeah. that just jangles on his on yeah. his belt in, loop. In case of locusts, in case of flood, in case you know, just just. <laughs> I think this is Major Manchuk's one job, and he's probably so happy that something landed on Earth that we can't explain, <laughs> because otherwise his career would have been a waste. Yeah, yeah. I did this for nothing to set all that stuff up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. B- between him and General Sparks, who, who we're going to talk about next week, uh, this was their whole. This was their whole thing. I mean, he's got the. He's got that big uh, fruit salad of of medals on his on his chest so he's he's been he's been around the block a couple of times but this is this is now his baby yeah somewhere and, uh, in the back of major manchuk's mind he's turning cartwheels right now yeah yeah he's gonna he's gonna buy Camaro a beer thanks <laughs> <laughs> i finally get to go in the broom closet um, <laughs> yeah. wow yeah. uh and uh well this is this is just such a such a great snapshot of of how we looked at things in the 70s and i don't yeah and we have uh, if this if this were made nowadays, I think it would be a lot more cynical. Oh, very much so. I mean, first of all, there'd be a big government conspiracy that you know we knew all about the virus or the alien virus from the fifties, and you know, and, and there'd got to have there'd have to be a government conspiracy. And in this movie, yeah. in the Andromeda Strain, you know, government is is varying degrees of competent and incompetent, but they're always on our side. Yeah, they seem benevolent in, in in this case, but yeah, I think you'd have a malicious government if they were if this were made today, or just yep. kind of, not maybe not malevolent, but some uh, at best incompetent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think you could make a movie this earnest today. It's a very yeah. earnest film. That's I, I agree. Wow, but uh, plenty more plenty more to come. Um, Brian, thanks for being on with us this week. Uh, it, maybe we'll have you back uh, later on in the in the movie as things go. Uh, go to hell or go, you know, or get better. It depends on how you look at it in this movie. Oh, I'd um, love it. Thank you. Well, great. We'll, we'll, we'll look for, forward to you in uh, future minutes. Uh, for folks who want to uh, listen to previous minutes of this movie, we're always available andromedaminute.com. You can go pick up the previous nine episodes. And if you're listening to this uh, long after we recorded it, the rest, the other hundred and something are yet to come. They're probably also available at andromedaminute.com. You can find us on uh, the typical podcast uh, catcher things over there at uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn. You know, the, you know the drill. You know where, where to get these because you're listening to this. You must have found it somewhere. Uh, if you'd like to talk back with us, though, on social media, we're available on two major platforms. Uh, Facebook, of course, at uh, Project Wildfire and on um, uh, Spotify. No, Spotify, Spotify is our, our podcast, but uh, social media, uh, Twitter, Twitter, that's that's what they call it. Uh, Twitter <laughs> at Andromeda Minute. 
And uh, Brian, where can people find you again? Best place to find me is my blog, brianfees.blogspot.com. Ah, perfect. And lots of stuff. There are years worth of things. Decades, I think. Actually, are we getting to that point now? I've been blogging for probably 15 years, yeah. So go. if you have some interest in comics, graphic novels, um, geez, just films. Uh, you know, Science I, in general, yeah. Science in general. I, I, I run the gamut. Whatever interests me is, is so, sooner or later I've written about it. Nonstop fascinating. That's the best way I can describe it. It's uh, you are a cornucopia of uh, amazing things. You as well, Jim. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Well, we will uh, we will continue the uh, mutual <laughs> mutual admiration society in the future. Uh, again, thanks for being on, uh, folks. Please wash your hands. Uh, stay away from others at least six feet, and uh, hopefully we can all get through this together uh, in good health next year. So uh, we will hear you again. Uh, listen to us again next week here on the End Drama in a minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.